is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. This is most certainly true. Jesus is alive and death is dead. His tomb is empty and our hearts are full. His promises are fulfilled. The victory has been won. Easter brings fullness and life and joy and meaning and hope into our lives and brings them in fullest measure. Our songs of Alleluia will never end. Join us to worship our risen Lord with this Easter sermon recently delivered at Grace. From the book of the prophet Ezekiel, God called Ezekiel to proclaim to people who were not initially willing to listen. This is the basis for the sermon today. The Lord said to me, Son of man, stand up on your feet and I will speak to you. As he spoke, the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet and I heard him speaking to me. He said, Son of man, I am sending you to the Israelites to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have been in revolt against me to this very day. The people to whom I am sending you are obstinate and stubborn. Say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. And whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are a rebellious people, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them or their words. Do not be afraid, though briars and thorns are all around you and you live among scorpions. Do not be afraid of what they say or be terrified by them, though they are a rebellious people. You must speak my words to them, whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are rebellious. Pastor, I'm not comfortable Talking, talking to other people about spiritual things. What is it that makes you uncomfortable? Oh, I could probably come up with quite a list. Like, what if I'm not sure what to say, or what if I say something wrong? But if I had to rank my biggest fear about talking with others in spiritual matters, it would have to be, what if... The people I'm talking to do to could care less about God and blow off what I have to say. What what if they reject me? Truth be told, I've had that fear too. Let's say that your cousins were abducted and whisked away from their homes and taken to a country in Central Asia. But it turned out their situation wasn't that bad. In short order, they learned the native language, acquired some really cool techie skills, and were able to apply those in opening up a new business and made money hand over fist. Sometime later, you were able to connect with them via Zoom. And you asked, Are you planning to return here to America and use your newfound 
skills and maybe prosper even more here? Oh, yeah, they said, that's the plan. Well, you tell them there has been an announcement that Milwaukee is going to be attacked and bombed by the country where you are living. Oh, that, that'll never happen. That's, that can't be true. In fact, we're going to be coming home soon and all things will be just fine. No, 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 you say, I just had an alert on my phone and it says, yes, Milwaukee will be attacked and our, your home is going to be destroyed. You won't get back in time to save anything of your belongings, your home, your TV, your Waterford crystal, your furniture, your dog, nothing! You're going to have to stay where you are in that country until the dust settles. That was Ezekiel's job. Because the people of Judah had rebelled against God The Lord God allowed Babylon's army to attack and deport the people of Judah into their territory of Babylon over a span of 20 years. But the people of Judah who were living in Babylon during those 20 years or so really didn't have it that bad. They were not slaves. They were not looking through the bars of a jail. They were not sweating in fields, picking weeds in 100-degree heat. In fact, many of the people from Judah now living in Babylon fared quite well. They got jobs. They were prosperous. They built their homes. Some of them did plan to return back to the home of their ancestors, back to Judah and Jerusalem. But God told Ezekiel to say to them, No. You're not going to return until Jerusalem's destroyed. Here's what, here's what God said to Ezekiel. Son of man, I'm sending you to the Israelites to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have been in revolt against me to this very day. The people to whom I am sending you are obstinate and stubborn. Whether those people who are now living in Babylon cared about spiritual matters or not, A connection, a close connection with God is the deal breaker for them to avoid ending up in hell. Their lives while living in Babylon may not have looked messy or like they were in a mess, but they had made a mess of their relationship with God. And they would end up messed up forever unless they were rescued. It's not hard to convince people whose marriage is failing that their lives are a mess. It's not hard to convince people who are floundering in credit card debt and going down for the third time that their lives are a mess. It's not hard to convince people who have pills in little cups labeled with each day of the week or who are receiving weekly chemo treatments or therapy sessions that their lives are a mess. But try to tell that to people who seem to be on easy street People who like their jobs, who have friends who party hardy with them, who have plenty for retirement. A lot of times people like that aren't concerned about spiritual matters. And they'd be shocked to find out that their relationship with God was a mess. That's why God, every once in a while, just might interject and intervene with a wake-up call in the lives of people like that. To get them to think, wait a minute, something's missing in my life. And to begin to think, oh wait, 
Because of my sinfulness, I've made a mess in my relationship with God. Sometimes God will use us. He'll use us to be an Ezekiel to them, to tell them the truth. But he's only going to do that when we first have flipped roles and jumped into the shoes and sandals of the people of Judah living in Babylon and listened to the Ezekiels that God sends into our lives who are honest and loving enough to look us in the eye and remind us that our own sinfulness has made a mess of our relationship with God. Moses didn't want to do it. Elijah didn't want to do it. Jonah didn't want to do it. Isaiah was afraid to do it. Jeremiah was hesitant to do it. But what about Ezekiel? Well, given these words that God spoke to Ezekiel, and you, son of man, do not be afraid of them or their words. Do not be afraid, though briars and thorns are all around you and you live among scorpions. Do not be afraid of what they say or terrified by them, though they are a rebellious people. Ezekiel probably didn't want to do it either. So who were these guys? Moses, Elijah, Jonah, Isaiah, Jeremiah. Who were these guys? Superheroes of the Bible. People who ought to be up on a pedestal because of their spiritual insights and of their witnessing skills honed to perfection so that they could draw the sword of God's word and slice up any argument who could wield the hammer of God's word and knock sense into any skeptic with their rhetorical or oratorical skills who could coax a conversion out of even the most obstinate and rebellious people were they like that? No they were all ordinary people frail and afraid human and hesitant weak and weary the Lord God addressed Ezekiel, in these seven little passages of today's first reading, as son of man, not just once, but three times, drilling it home for Ezekiel, you are not a child of God by your doing. You are just like all the other sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. Ezekiel, you are a sinner. Ezekiel was nothing special. He was just like me. And just like you. But God did something to make Ezekiel and all those others special. Actually, God did two things. First, he did for them what he did for old Abraham and King David. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them. God is the one who made them special by declaring them to be special, covered covered by the forgiving blood of the promised Savior. By the rightness of the Savior, he covered them and declared them to be special in his sight. And then he did another thing for those people. Moses and Elijah and Jonah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, did another thing. He stood behind them and braced their backbone. He said to Ezekiel, Son of man, stand up on your feet and I will speak to you. As he spoke, the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet. And I heard him speaking to me. He said, Son of man, I am sending you. And they will know that a prophet has been among them. He called Ezekiel to be his messenger. Which simply meant that God was promising to stand behind him and beside him all the way with whatever Ezekiel was now going to proclaim. God did those two special things for you and for me. 
He has called us to faith, put us into his family, declaring us to be covered by the rightness of the Savior. And he's also called us to be his messengers, which means he's going to stand behind and beside us. So you don't have to hang your head in shame. You don't have to run and hide. You don't have to worry about your weaknesses or cower in fear. You are God's messengers with a clean slate, completely forgiven of all the mess you've made with God and with the confidence that you are his messenger. He's beside you and behind you all the way. If the boss called you into her office and sat you down and then said to you, I am sending you, and then fell silent, wouldn't you be wondering, well, where are you sending me? (laughs) To do what? To whom? Moses didn't want to do it. Elijah didn't want to do it. Jonah didn't want to do it. Isaiah was afraid to do it. Jeremiah was hesitant to do it. And Ezekiel probably was afraid to do it too because each one of them, for one thing, could look in the mirror and see a fault-ridden sinner. And on top of that, none of them wanted to be sent out as a messenger without anything to say. So God supplied for them what he supplied for Ezekiel. The Lord God said, you must speak my words to them. You must speak my words to them, whether they listen or fail to listen. Read Ezekiel's book sometime. It's, it's not short, but um, it's really fascinating. And you will see that God asked Ezekiel to do some rather unusual things, sort of play acting, so that the people of Judah, who were now living in Babylon, would not only hear God's message, but see it. For example, God told Ezekiel shortly after this portion of Scripture to munch on the scroll on which God had his words written. He's supposed to eat it. That would take a little more than a beard chaser, I would think. (laughs) But if we're thinking only about physical chewing and swallowing, we're missing the point. As food is assimilated into the body, the words of God need to be assimilated, taken in, internalized, devoured, eaten by all of God's messengers and by a messenger like Ezekiel. Because those words that are internalized form the message that a messenger like Ezekiel was going to proclaim. And that message then would have its two main emphases, its two main points. And Ezekiel then unloaded that. What God told him to say, the words of God that he internalized. Certainly, first of all, there was lament and mourning and woe, especially for those who were indifferent who refused to acknowledge that they had made a mess of their relationship with God. But Ezekiel's message didn't end there. For those who recognized that they had made a mess of their relationship with God and longed for relief, Ezekiel brought them a message as sweet as honey. God loves all sinners, even even sinners like you, you people of Judah here in Babylon. His cleared up your mess in his sight. And he swept the path to heaven and he will usher you in. One of the greatest joys we have as messengers for God, and by the way, by baptism, we are all messengers of God. One of our greatest joys is that we don't have to worry what to say. We don't have to make things up. We don't have to guess 
what people need to hear. Because all people need to hear the same thing. All people need to hear that because of the mess that they have made in their relationship with God, they would be without him. But all people also need to hear about the Savior's life and death that cleans up that mess so that they won't ever be without God. The challenge, the challenge is to determine which of those two parts of the big message that God gives us, which of the two messages, the bad news about our mess or the good news of the Savior's cleanup work, which, which message do we start with when talking to someone? God gave Ezekiel directions to start with the announcement about the mess that those people had made for themselves with God before he talked about the Savior's cleanup work. And that, by the way, is the typical pattern that you and I have when talking with someone, especially those who aren't serious about or recognizing their depth of their own sin or are indifferent. But once in a while, there are times when we start with the good news. She was a worship visitor here at Grace from the neighborhood. She asked if she could meet with me sometime to tell her story. Of course. It was a tragic tale of the worst imaginable abuse by her father. At a young age, she married to escape. But sadly, it didn't take long for her to recognize that the man she married was just as bad. After a little time, he did die. Years of loneliness and wrongly blaming herself followed. But now she said she was living with a man who was very caring and loving, but like the Samaritan woman at the well that Jesus met, he and she were not married. Which of the two main messages that God gives us would I start with? Pointing out her wrong life choice in living not married? Or comforting her with the guilt-erasing forgiveness from Jesus? I, th I think you know what I, what I started with. Like Ezekiel, God does not expect us to produce the results that's in his hands. He simply wants us to be his messengers, proclaiming his message. If people don't want to listen or refuse to listen, well, that's not God's fault. That's not our fault. That's on them. Next spring in 2022, a farmer is probably not going to say, well, the summer of 2022 is supposed to be very wet, so I'm not going to plant anything. Nor will he say, the summer of 2022 is supposed to be super dry, so I'm not going to plant anything. No. Whether it's wet or dry, hot or cold, the farmer is going to plant seeds. That's what Ezekiel did. And that's what we will do too. Amen. Thanks for listening. 
To learn more about God's grace or to support the work that we do to proclaim the love of Jesus in Milwaukee and around the world, visit www.gracedowntown.org. This grace is for you.